Hello everyone, I'm back after a long hiatus. I'll talk more about that in the next episode, but for today, episode 45, I have an interview with one of my students. Enjoy! Alright, welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, it's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. Today, I have an interview with another one of my students. He's had me for at least two classes. You know, he seems to be a glutton for punishment. And <laughs> I have him on my podcast today because he had a rather interesting story. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, you've heard me tell my story. But I've never really gone into as much detail as he, as he has. So I would like to introduce Mr. Thomas Salazar. Mr. Salazar, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's amazing. I'm, it's not as cold as yesterday. I'm so happy. I wish it was colder. <laughs> I love the cold. Oh, great. Okay, so first, let's back up. I approached you in a stairwell. You know, you hadn't been coming to class. And I was like, well, what's, what's, what's going on? Because that's not like you. And then when you told me your story, you said that you wanted to present to the class. Yes. So I'm curious... Before we get into that little background, we're going to talk about you know, suicide and the toxic environments and how it affects you. So what made you want to tell this story, not only in front of your professors, but in front of your classmates? I wanted to tell my story because I'm a normal person, just like my fellow classmates, just like my professors. I wanted to get the story out there because everyone can learn from something. Everyone is valuable in their own aspect. And just so I can change one person's life so they can, you know, do something great for the world, it's worth it to me. If I can affect one person, that's great. If I affect 50, better. Mm. But one person can change the world. One person can discover the cure for AIDS, can, you know, can cause cancer to become obsolete. One mm -hmm. person. That's what I want to do is reach out and just, you know, touch one person that may need help that was too scared to ask for help. Okay. Mm. Can't argue with that. What has been your, uh, the responses from your classmates and maybe some of your professors? A lot of my classmates are very helpful I should say they're they're they were excited for me to talk about it because there's something that as a society we're all scared to talk about suicide mm -hmm. and a lot of my classmates were like thank you for coming out thank you for just saying hey you know this is an issue something we're all dealing with yeah now as far as my professors go some of them most of them you as have have been very understanding there have been some that have given me pushback but their beliefs are different. I think that's where it comes to mm -hmm. it comes into play is people's beliefs growing up. Right. And so you by beliefs you're saying this isn't something that we should talk about. This isn't something you should present in front of a class. Yes. Some some professors don't want you to do that. Some people are like, "Oh, it's suicide. It needs to be hushed, dealt with privately." Or I've even had a professor come out and be like, "No, you got to handle this. This has nothing to do with, you know, you, you should be stronger than that. You, you can't let it affect you. And, you know, gave, gave me the beat down for it. And it's mm. like, it's not something I'm willing, wanting to deal with. Something I have to deal with. I got you. And so, again, before we get into your story, how does that make you feel when they say, well, th th this is on you? And is this, do you think this is something that most people deal with in our society? Uh, I think a lot of people deal with it, but in private, however... It being pushed back in my face mm -hmm. is it, very hurtful because I didn't choose it. I didn't go out and say, this is what I want to do today. It wasn't something I chose to do. It's something that because I love someone, mm -hmm. I'm dealing with. Right. Okay. 
So I just want to clarify, this wasn't you dealing with suicide, but someone you love dealing with suicide. Yes. I okay. mean, I... Or, or, or not suicide itself, but the, the process of wanting to take yeah. your life. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's start with your story. Okay. You had a, when you gave your presentation, you had a slide and it was a suicide note. Yes. So could you just uh, talk more about that? Um, so the initial slide I presented in my present PowerPoint presentation was the initial note that my wife left me when she went to try to commit suicide on March 5th. Mm -hmm. That was the first time she tried. And it was a note she wrote to me and my two daughters. And I can't read them because it does make me tear up, but they're very heartfelt. They're about 250 words a piece. And all they do is just say how much they love. She loves us as a whole and how she thinks it would be so much easier if she wasn't around. And you think about 250 words, that's just a text message. That's just saying, hey, how are you? How are you doing today? And you've already maxed out that. And in 250 words, she stopped my whole life. That was for me. I didn't even discover the other two notes until three three days after she had attempted suicide. And it was, it's very, very touching and it, and scary at the same time. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. it's t it reaches down and touches your heart, but at the same time, it kind of scares you as someone was really suffering and you knew nothing about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, when you, it's easy to look back on and say, oh, I, I did, how did I not see it? So when you look back, what did you see? You know, honestly, I did not see signs. I worked in healthcare for almost nine years now. Mm -hmm. well, that was the emergency room with. I dealt with a lot of psych patients. Mm -hmm. And you're taught the signs, you know, depression, distancing, things like that. Honestly, I didn't see a sign. Mm -hmm. And my mother's a nurse and my sister's a nurse. And even she's a nurse. But I think that's kind of what happened is because she's a nurse, she was able to hide it. Mm, okay. And if if you're good at hiding something, no one will ever know what's going on in your mind because it's yeah, your yeah, mind. Exactly. Mm. Okay, so so that's an interesting point. You're hiding things, but um, even on a subconscious level, we kind of, some things kind of eke out. But even then, we're still oblivious to it, right? Right. Because we're not, as a society, we're we're told again, you don't think of these things, so we don't we're not trained on it. Okay, so um, you were talking about um, a toxic situation that she grew up in that someone wanted to hurt her for the purpose of feeling good about themselves. You can talk more about that. Yes. My wife suffered. Uh, she was the victim of much syndrome by proxy, which basically means that her mother abused and beat her in ways to make her sick so she could get attention or money. Um, a lot of it was just attention. Her mother loved attention. And so she was always made, Oh, you, you got, you know, an eye disorder. So she had to go get look, get her eyes looked at, had to have an, a surgery on it. Oh, she had a neck disorder. She had to go get a bunch of MRIs. And this was when she was like five to seven years old, all this happened at. Mm -hmm. So it was at a relatively young age and it instilled in her mind that basically she was worthless. And the only thing that she was worth was the, you know, the skin to provide happiness for her mother. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it happened up until the last event that I remember happening was when she was pregnant with our daughter, our oldest daughter, and she got pushed off the back of the truck. And she hit her stomach on the rail guard going down and almost had a miscarriage from it. We had spent a couple of days in the hospital for, for that. But yeah, that it, it was a cycle of abuse that continued and her mother would always find a way to hide it or blame her for the abuse. And that it was a to, it was a toxic 
toxic hurricane. It just kept going round and round and round. And my wife held it in. She didn't let it out. She didn't, she's still, still today. She has a hard time talking about all the things that went wrong. One time she t- said that, uh, she didn't want to get up and change the channel. Her mother didn't want to get up and change the channel on the TV. So her mother threw the remote at the back of the he- her head and broke the remote. And why do you think that she has a hard time talking about it? Is, is it you, do you think it's shame? I think it's shame. I think she's, she's shame of the people that she allowed to hurt her. Mm. And, you know, your mother's supposed to be your, your nurturing part of your life. The one that comes in and takes care of you when you're down, yeah. but not beat you down. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a lot of it, too. And I think it affects her in trying to show that love outwards because she didn't get it. So she doesn't know where, where the line is at. Okay. And does that translate to having difficulty showing that affection toward your children? Um. Not really. She's very loving to the to the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, very very loving. So basically, she's giving them she's, what she didn't get. Exactly. Okay. But when it comes to reaching out to other people, mm-hmm. she doesn't know how to because yeah, okay. she was always told that you know, you're you're not good enough. You're you know you're this you're that you're fat you're ugly you're dumb things like that constantly on a daily basis for twenty plus years. Okay, and so now uh, the this thing happened. You know, you told me a very interesting thing that you said that something significant happened to you like two days before we started talking. And I guess the question is, how have you been dealing with it? How have you been able to move forward? Well, it's been a very, very big struggle. When it first happened, the first time it happened back in March, it was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, you're, you're never ready for someone trying to commit suicide. You, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can prepare for. There's... You know, but she lost, she ended up losing her job full time. She cut down to PRN. So she wasn't working. So, and this is, this goes into how I was able to handle it. I had to fall back on my, my parents and my family to help us financially because we couldn't afford it. And we ended up losing our house. We lost a car, you know, and then she, she had a big relapse back in September from it because all that emotional strain and that stress it doesn't just go away it just sits there and builds up and builds up until it reaches a boiling point it's like a volcano yeah and you told me when you lost your house the sheriff showed up to your door and you weren't expecting that no i wasn't i had no no inclination of it Mm. and that's that's been the hardest part is not knowing what's around the corner and it's not that i don't expect things to happen I know it's gonna happen mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like how or why mm-hmm. you know what what can we do differently right. and so what do you think you could have? I mean it's easy it's like oh I should have done this I should have done that so what, what kind of goes through your head when you're thinking about that a lot of it it comes back in a weird way it comes back to money if mm-hmm. I if I would have been working would this have happened but then I can't blame money on it because I I wasn't the stress or I wasn't the trigger that caused the fire. I mm. wasn't, it wasn't me. And that's been the hardest thing to do is not blame myself. Yeah. I was just about to ask because that, that's unusual. Usually people say, Oh, what could I have done? Me, 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 I, 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 but that's, how did it get to that point to say it's not me? Um, just her reiterating it, that it wasn't mm. me and having her come through a, and an emotional support and be like, it's not you. It's not you. It's what's went on in my life that has caused all this. And, even still, yes, I do look and I'm like, well, I could have done this different, this different, this different. But 
you know, I believe that you can't change the past. You can only right. change the future. Yeah, I think someone said that forgiveness is giving up hope for a better past. It was like, it is what it is, as you say. And so I know that you're preparing to go to medical school. I mean, how, how has this affected you? I mean, how, how, what are you doing the MCAT? You took the MCAT, right? Uh, I did, but I haven't got my score yet. Okay. I don't think I did too well because my mind was not into the test at mm-hmm. that time. Um, and, and for our listeners, this thing is like six to seven hours long. I mean, I think the whole ordeal from start to finish is eight hours, right? Yes. With all the breaks and whatnot. And then going through that, yeah, it's hard to focus. Like, eh. I, I studied very hard for two Two and a half months straight, and I just I when I got there to I remember putting my name on the paper, but I don't remember anything else. I can't even tell you what the first question was. <laughs> you kind of shut down. Yeah, I, I've gone through that. All right. So now that we've gotten this, so let's say you do get into medical school. All right. What are your now? Let me just uh, again for my listeners. You've heard me tell this story about the father who wanted me to convince his son to go to medical school. And I said, sir, if he doesn't want to go, please don't make him go. Because that's stress on top of stress. So do you have a strategy going forward for that? A lot of my a lot of my stress relief comes from my children, actually. Okay. So I take a lot of pride in them. And I do take pride in my wife, too. And I'm a big family person. So my goal to eliminate a lot of my stress would have to be dedicating a lot of time to them. Mm-hmm. However, schooling... I'm not too worried about the actual schooling itself. It sounds weird, I know. <laughs> I I'm not, the schooling, I can go, I can learn, but you can't replace those couple minutes you have with your family. And that mm-hmm. that's important to me. That's what keeps me going. Even today, it's my family. That's what keeps pushing me. Right. And I know we're, we're, ty- we're talking hypothetically because when you, if you actually go there, that's going to be a different story. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's good to have a plan moving forward. And so um, currently... You know, you, you said family. You deal with your family. You get um, strength from your children. So, anything specifically you're doing for yourself, like you know, maybe taking yourself out on like a quote unquote date. You know, that has been a question of mine, and I haven't been able to answer it because I haven't. I haven't done anything for myself, and I think that's what a lot of my stress has boiled down to this past couple months is myself because I'm not. I have not been caring for myself like I should because I've been focused on my family. Right. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that happened to me. It's like we, we somehow forget about ourselves, right? And it's just this, this is, I've learned how to do this, um, like, self-care kit, um, have, like, a morning ritual. You know, I tried bathing in scented candles and made me sneeze so that, you know, that doesn't work for me. But you find what works for you. What do you think you, you know, would like, you would like to do for yourself? Um, one, one thing I really want to do, I want to go hiking. <laughs> I want to, I really want to go, like, Machu Picchu. Just just to be away from everything and be connected with nature itself again. Okay. That's something I want to start. I really want to start going and getting out in nature because that's what I did before I came to college. Mm-hmm. I was really out in nature. I went camping twice a week. I was always out in nature. Okay. And it was very zenful for me. That's where I find my zen. I got you. So uh, when's your graduation date? Is it? Uh... In December here. December Fifteenth, I think it is. Nineteen. You're yeah. graduating this semester. I'm supposed to graduate this semester. Okay, so everything looks good. Yes, hopefully. All right. So maybe something you can do in <laughs> January. You know. Exactly. It's some, something to get out. Uh, I miss, like I said, I miss the north. I miss snowboarding. We can't do that in, down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if we see a little snowflake, it shuts the city down. Basically. Yeah. yeah no, I remember going <laughs> to school with feet and feet, 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 feet of snow, ten, twelve feet of snow. 
Yeah. Okay, then, uh, Mr. Salazar, I was um, very thankful for you to share your story. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, I would just like to say to people, if you're hurting by any way, shape, or form, just reach out to someone. There are people that care. You, you may reach out and someone may say, no, they're not worried about it. But there are people out there that do care. And and they don't necessarily have to be a close friend. They can be anyone. Sometimes just reaching out and saying hello to someone can change their life. Mm-hmm. And also, as a person that's suffering, reaching out and saying, hey, I need some help, you'd be surprised at who will jump on and help you. Yeah. And uh, just let me throw something else out there. People who feel like there's no one in their life that cares. What would you say to someone like that? Like, the, I, I have no friends. I have no family. To... There's always someone. There is always someone. And witnessing an abuse like I have witnessed with my wife and everything like that, I there are people out there that care. Mm-hmm. I, I've learned that from her. Even listening to her tell her stories that, yes, yeah, she had one friend or, yes, yeah, she had something to go to. A lot of her go-to was reading books, mm-hmm. but it was to get her out of the environment. So there, are, there always is someone that cares. It's just a matter of if you're willing to tell the story so that someone can understand it. Okay, then. Well, again, appreciate you being mm-hmm. here. Appreciate your courage and speaking to your professors and your students. I mean, your, your classmates, rather. And, you know, I wish you the best. Well, thank you. Yes, you know, I'll give you a graduation gift. <laughs> Maybe a new video game. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> he and I like to talk about video games. <laughs> I love video games. That that has been my stress relief, but I have not been able to do it. So there's that. Yeah. Star Wars Fallen Order is coming oh, out. That looks so good. I, know. I love Star Wars. I love Wars. Gonna monetize it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Have a good one. Let's stop this. Whoops.